Ah, Ben does what he wants means I do what I want. Do do do. All right. So, John. Yes. Welcome to the podcast. This is another episode of uh, Ben Does What He Wants. Okay. I am the host, Ben Schlofeld. That's good to know. Thank you. <laughs> um, this is a, another edition of uh, Late to the Party. Uh, and with me, I have John Klemke. John, you want to introduce yourself? Say a little... You, you are technically a friend of the show. Yeah, I, I would call myself a, a friend of the show, uh, a, a longtime supporter. Appreciate First it. First time... A peer, I guess. Yeah. Guest, guest yeah. would be the appropriate. You may word recognize for that. John's voice from previous episode. Well, a previous episode called Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, I was the dungeon master on on that episode, and uh, and he's still our dungeon master. I'll have you know. I know we're still playing. We're gonna play after this, guys. Right? Aren't you jealous? I think at like ten or eleven games at this point. Yeah, it's good. I mean, is that me, John? That's you. Nope, <laughs> that ain't me. It's all right. We can. We can I never have my my ringtone turned on. I don't think that's me. I, I think that was your. Computer. I don't think. Oh my god! Actually, it could have been my computer. That's absolutely true. Let me mute it. God dang it! I was all ready to jump on you. I I work in film sexually. and television, so I have my phone off all, all the time. The time. Mm. So when I heard that bing, I was like, "What? What is that? I'm in trouble. I just got fired. Oh no! I ruined a take. No, no, no. We we don't do." Second takes. We do not. We're called, I'm called first take Schlofeld over here. I don't do second, second takes. takes. Hacks. Wait, uh, amateurs do second, second takes. takes. I'll be in my three-story trailer. <laughs> With like, edit it, whatever. Um, so, hey, you, you said you work in f- television. Yeah, Johnny, I, I, what do you, I work what do you in film people? and television in the locations department. Uh, I find all of the high-end locations that TV shows use when they come to Chicago to shoot, like penthouses, expensive restaurants, that sort of thing. And interestingly, this episode has nothing to do with it that. It has nothing to do with that. I mean... That's what late. To the, it wouldn't be a late to the party if if you were that familiar with it, right? Yeah. It wouldn't. We could we could do some uh, other format later about how you talk about we could, you talk about your job. Yeah, if if people are interested in that and you want to hear about it, yeah, sure. I'd I think talk about I think it. everybody's interested in other people's jobs if you can spin it the right way. Yeah, I if would you, say that if true. you can bring the humanity and the interest to it, I think everything's pretty. I interesting. firmly believe that there's a way to make any job sound interesting and any job sound boring. Yep. It's just about how you present it to other people because there's so many jobs that are like, "Wow, that sounds really cool," and then the person who does it is like, "Not really. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just like me sitting in an office, feeling yeah. awful about yeah. you know not doing what I actually want to do or not feeling like I'm being paid enough or promoted mm-hmm. enough," and it's like. But you have a cool-sounding job. job. Yeah, you get to do fun things, and you're like, yeah. But every job always like kind of falls back to the same basic. Oop, I lost myself. Oh no! Did you unplug yourself? I might have. Oh John. Oh, did that do it? Yeah, that did it. Oh, 
You're I, so, I unplugged my. I was gesturing. He was flailing his limbs. I was flailing so my wildly. limbs around like a rag doll. It was, <laughs> it was awful. Um, I think it's always a case of the grass is always greener, right? When you, yeah, you hear about exactly. somebody's cool job, and the thing is, like, we want to not do our. We, we, it's about variety. Exactly. I, I think about that all the time. Like, my job wouldn't be the worst thing if I just had more control over when I'm there. Yeah. You know, but then it's that's would it be a like job? If, job then, yeah, right? exactly. Ex- it, it's exactly. like it, you're like if I could control a little bit more of this, this wouldn't be so bad. And then you start to think, oh wait, that's every job I have. Yep, yep. It's it's just kind of life. That's life. But yeah. anywho, you, uh, anything you want to plug? Any um, you do you want people to follow you on Twitter or Instagram uh, or f- Facebook? I mean, you you can find me on Twitter or Instagram using John Klemke. There's no H in John. That's I I have <laughs> I am at John Klemke on Twitter. I I nabbed that one despite Early. being a late adopter to Twitter. I oh. still mention no one has the last name Klemke. Yeah, Schlofeld is a fair game. <laughs> yeah, I have the only people I have ever met with the last same last name as me are are like distant relatives. So that's 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 it. So I, I managed to nab that easy. Uh, I would say. Uh, check out uh, two podcasts uh, at least. Uh, Keep it weird is is a favorite. Uh, I don't know if if Kit uh, on an earlier episode plugged that one, but that's uh, a friend out in LA is about you know the weird, the macabre, the uh, I believe she did uh, the strange, and then the other one is uh, Keynotes. Uh, K i n o t e s uh, podcast is a film score podcast. Oh, uh, done by mm-hmm. a, a real close friend of mine. He is a phenomenal. There's not very many episodes of it. It's about seven episodes, I think, now, and it's uh, each one is like over an hour. Oh, okay. Uh, as he does like a deep dive into uh, film scores. The first one is uh, the planet, the original Planet of the Apes. Oh, cool. Dives into you know a, an hour's worth of information about the score. He plays little pieces of the music, talks about them, talks about the beauty and stuff. He just did a, a monster episode on uh, the entire works of Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, and wow. like all of the music in it and how Hitchcock uses it. It's he is and an he, he, he Emma. He had a very, he had a specific, uh, uh, someone, uh, one person did the scores for a lot of his films, didn't they? Yeah, I haven't, I, can't, I haven't listened to that episode. I can't remember his I'm, name, I'm though. I'm awful, but, no, you'll, uh, get, you'll get around, but I'll, uh, you know, it's, it's, if they're like an hour and they're real dense and they're packed with information, uh, he, he's an MFA in cinematography oh. and photography, so he's actually got decent credentials for this and does really solid amounts of research, so really something that if, if you're interested in film scores and film music, he's, uh, he's fantastic. Cool, cool. And uh, I'd also, I'd plugged it before during WrestleMania, but uh, you had a friend who does the wrestling. Oh, yeah, uh, Predetermined. That would be be the third. uh, A wrestling hangout. They're they're still doing it, and they're they're loving every minute of of, uh, what's been going on in wrestling, from what I understand. Right. (laughs) So that's John's podcast recommendations. Yes, those are my podcast recommendations. For this week. Uh, Stay tuned for next week when John tells us, more podcasts usually yeah i mean (laughs) they're not friends podcasts but you know check out comedy bang bang yeah exactly Um, all right here we go oh gosh let's go back to the late 1960s the fcc had just cracked down on am fn fm stations playing simulcasts on both platforms simulcasts being the playing of the same program at the same time on multiple channels I mean, you might infer that from the the, the yeah, word, you, but but you never know. Yeah, no, you don't. Let's. Um, this was an attempt by the FCC to organize the industry, uh, though many thought it was a massive overstep. 
Regardless, to comply with this ruling, radio owners uh, had to fill the airwaves with cheap content. In steps the eager disc jockey. While DJs had existed before this, this was the beginning of a free-form and progressive era where DJs began to play deep cuts off more obscure albums, long tracks, weird tracks. Yeah. This, however, as a nationwide format, did not last very long. By the early 70s, there was a push to maintain the progressive rock sound, but also incorporate a top 40s format. So a marketable sound, uh, dedicated more and more, dictated more and more by radio owners and producers, became known as album-oriented rock, or AOR. That's a term that's going to get tossed around a little bit. Okay. And, and John, also feel free uh. to, to chime in. And if someone's like, whoa, I have a thought about that. Yeah, will do. Yeah. Uh, I just don't want you to feel like you have to. I'm learning. Yeah. Yeah. Noted DJ Kid Leo <laughs> Tragava... <laughs> Travagalanti. <laughs> that's his last name. T-R-A-V-A-G-L-I-A-N-T. Of influential station WMMS in Cleveland observed the changes in the, in this 1975 interview. I uh, think the 60s are ending about now. Now we are really starting the 70s. The emphasis is shifting back to entertainment instead of being quote unquote relevant, relevant, <laughs> relevant. In fact, I wouldn't call our station progressive radio. That's outdated. I call it radio because I heard a good word in the trades. A-O-R. That's album-oriented rock. That's a name for the 70s. End quote. Yeah. Uh, as the 70s progressed, the repertoire of material became more and more narrow on AOC stations. This was uh, both a push by producers who wanted to promote a certain sound and by the listeners whose opinions were highly valued by producers. So artists like Stevie Wonder, War, Sly and the Family Stone, and genres like blues, folk, and jazz were almost non-existent by the late 1970s in favor of artists like the Eagles and Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. And they had, prior to the mid-70s, been a pretty consistent, popular uh, addition to most AOR uh, uh, platforms. Yeah. So, the story of classic rock, Mm -hmm. which is what we're talking about. Yes. Classic rock. Um in its defining moment, is really just the rebranding of AOR. In the early 1980s, in various places across the U.S., DJs started playing a mix of contemporary and older rock hits, calling it classic rock, eventually becoming uh, a popular and identifiable form of AOC radio. Billboard magazine's Kim Freeman posits that, quote, while classic rock's origin can be traced back earlier, 1986 is generally cited as the year of its birth, end quote. In 1986, 60 to 80% of AOR stations were playing classic or oldies format. By 2001, wow. I know that's a lot. That's uh, a lot of stations yeah, yeah. playing oldies music. Yeah. These are stations that play the AOR format. Okay. So it's, it's yeah. not like all... T- yeah. um, by 2001, classic rock was the most predominant form of AOR in the country, mostly due to its unwavering attempt to cater to baby boomers and early Gen Xers. Yeah. As the years have progressed, so has their key demographic. In the 1980s, it was the 24 to 35-year-old. As mm-hmm. of 2014, their key listeners are 45 to 54 years old. Quick note on programming. You may be asking, well, what's the difference between an oldies, classic, and classic rock station? Yeah. Well, oldies and classics, while having potential overlap, and very obvious overlap, tend to embrace other genres like pop, 
rock, R&B, and soul, and folk, while classic rock, you guessed it, leans into harder rock, mostly from the late 60s through to the end of the 1980s. Some have even stooped so low <laughs> as to playing 90s grunge and alternative. Yeah, that's a weird one. Is like occasionally on like even modern classic stations, you can find a lot of Pearl Jam being Pearl Jam around. play Nirvana, and and Metallica. To me, Pearl Jam and, and Metallica being considered on classic rock is is a little odd. It feels a little uncomfortable. Doesn't yeah, really feel well, like those belong. But I mean, that's kind of the the world that that we're in now. Is like I guess you just steamroll pick up. It's like a big rolling snowball that just like picks up stuff through the decades. Well, yeah, because what becomes classic yeah. has to ha, the, the the line has to keep being pulled further further and further forward. Well, that was always the joke right? about like oldies when when I was growing up, like in the you know early aughts and stuff like that. Is like, is there going to be a day when like Britney Spears is on the oldies? And you're like, no, not really. Yeah, because that's still going to be in its own world but yes. like there probably will be rock acts from i mean you're already seeing it with pearl jam and metallica uh and i would imagine i i don't know actually maybe chili peppers would probably would th- probably fall th- on the the classic in the oldies absolutely i think anybody that reached at least for now i can't say because i'm listening to a lot of classic rock in yeah. a while, but bands that reached like uh, they they uh, reached their not peak, but became uh, uh, popular in the early early nineties, and I think yeah. maybe like a night a cutoff. I want to say like a like ninety seven, yeah, as like a, a vague cutoff time. Because, uh, but you still, I still don't feel like I hear because I I've heard Red Hot Chili Peppers on like uh, so I'm from Eastern Iowa, and they had mm-hmm. uh, uh, what was it K K R N A Rock, you know, like ninety four point one K R N A, and the, you know they played. Uh, like I said, Nirvana, Red Hot Chili Peppers. They play occasionally those. get some like Soundgarden on there too. Yeah, sure, some and, like, some old grungy stuff. Maybe Audio Slave too, because it, the, Audio Slave kind of plugs into that. Chris Cornell, like, yeah, it's got Chris, Chris Cornell. Cornell. Like, yeah. people might not even know the difference. Yeah, you know. Um, okay, now on to the criticism and legacy. This is my favorite stuff. Media academic Roy Shucker said classic radio programmers largely play quote unquote tried and proven, end quote, hit songs from the past based on their high listener recognition and identification. So that's a big part of it. Yeah. They're not trying to introduce people to new music. They're playing off nostalgia, right? He identified white male rock acts from the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper era through the end of the 1970s as the focus of their playlists. Uh, As Catherine Strong observed, classic rock songs are generally performed by white male acts from either the United States or the United Kingdom, have a 4-4 time, very rarely exceed the time limit of four minutes, were composed by the musicians themselves, are sung in English, played by, quote, classical rock formation, which is drums, bass, guitar, and keyboards and things like that, uh, and were released on major labels after 1964. That is like 95% of all classic rock Oh, I would, I would believe it yeah, fits, fits into that, that, that criteria. Mm, yeah. Music scholar John Stratton traced the format's origins to the emergence of a classic rock canon. This canon arose in part from music journalism and superlative lists ranking certain albums and songs that are consequently reinforced uh, to the collective and public memory. Robert Chris Gow said the classic rock concept transmorgified uh, rock music into a quote, myth of rock as art that stands the test of time. 
and believed it was inevitable that certain rock artists would be canonized by critics, major media, and music establishment entities such as the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, confirming this assessment in, tw- in 2018, Stephen Hyden recalled how the appearance of classic rock as a timeless music lent it a distinction from the inherently nihilistic pop he had, f- he had first listened to on radio as a teenager in the early 1990s. It seemed to, this is his quote, it seemed to have been around forever, he wrote in a classic rock format. It was there long before I was born, and I was sure it was still going to be around after I was gone. Yeah. That's my, actually like a perfect description of what I think of classic, when I think of classic yeah, rock. It just, it's It's been there. Yeah. Like we, you can, oh, uh, if, if, uh, like you turn it on, it's probably going to be uh, Steely Dan, yeah. uh, the Eagles. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, especially recently, I feel like the Eagles have very much stepped into this, this like world. But you also have like, I mean, that's the reason why like half the car commercials out there when we were growing up used The Who or Led Zeppelin. Like that's, yeah. that's very much oh. what was used. If you wanted to sell American made cars, AC/DC, you were trying to go. I think of ACDC. Yeah. That's the other one. Another, I can't, I can't like when I think of classic rock right led zeppelin and acdc are like yeah right away leaped my mind um the mindset underlying classic rock was regarded by chris gow as politically regressive this is the stuff i really like this uh he said the the music in this format abandoned ironic sensibility in favor of unintellectual conventional aesthetics rooted in victoria era romanticism while downplaying the more radical aspects of the 1960s counterculture, such as politics, race, African-American music, and pop in the art sense. This is a quote. Uh, Though classic rock draws its inspiration and most of its heroes from the 60s, it is, of course, a construction of the 70s. He wrote in 1991 for Details Magazine. It was invented by pre-punk slash disco radio programmers who knew that before they could totally commodify 60s culture, they'd have to rework it. That is selectively distort it, it dis- selectively distort it till it threatened no one. Yeah. In the official rock pantheon, The Doors, Led Zeppelin, and great artists, uh, and great artists like while Chuck Berry and Little Richard are primitive forefathers, opposed to like the people that yeah, yeah. That um, actually and take over. James Brown and Sly Stone are something else. Yeah. They're not rock and roll. Uh, end quote. Regarding the development of classic rock, Chris Gow pointed of a, a pointed to the comprised socioeconomic security and diminished collective consciousness of a new generation of listeners in the 1970s who succeeded rock's early years during baby boomer economic prosperity in the United States. Quote, not for nothing did classic rock crown the doors misogyn uh, oh wait, well, mis- uh, misogogic mi- middlebrow escapism. Wow, sorry. Uh, and Led Zeppelin's chest-thumping megalomaniac grandeur, a rhetorical self-aggrandizement that made no demands on everyday life, was exactly what the time called for. Uh, Shooker attributed the rise of classic rock radio in part to the, quote, con- the consumer power of the aging post-war baby boomers and the appeal of this group to radio adver- ad- advertisers. End quote. In his opinion, classic rock also produced a rock music ideology and discussion of the music that was, quote, heavily gendered, celebrating a male homosocial paradigm of musicianship that continued to dominate subsequent discourse, not just around rock music, but popular music more generally. Yeah. Sorry, I know that's a little wordy, but I think that gets to a lot of uh, what I... Like the lingering legacy of rock music and the stuff that oh, I, absolutely. that my dad certainly wasn't talking about when we were listening to it. It's just something we ate up. 
Yeah. Um, so, John, that's my little... That's all according to Wikipedia. I got all that from Wikipedia. Hooray, uh, Wiki. I know. It's a wonderful resource. Right. So, you consider yourself late to the, to the to the party of classic rock. I consider myself very, very late and only, like, a somewhat convert because I just... I have boober parents, so, like, I'm, I'm like most millennials. I have, like, older boomer parents. Yeah. Uh, both born in 1947, uh, both about, uh, what, 71 this year? 72? Uh, a little older. My dad is. My dad was born in 1950, which makes math for me so much easier. Right. So he turns he turns 69 in December. Yeah, so three years on that. So, yeah, 72. Um, and no one can yell at me because my dad doesn't remember how old he is. He's like, I don't know. Oh, I was, I was like, so what number is this? Like his birthday was last week, and I was like, so what number is this? And he's like, I don't, I don't remember. In hey, my head, I'm 18. If anybody, and I was like, okay. <laughs> if anybody judges the relationship that you have with your father, fuck them. That's that's for you and <laughs> you, your dad. You never know. Everybody is a judgmental piece <laughs> well, of shit. Out they there. can, but fuck, like, <laughs> yeah, right. But anyways, uh, so like, listen to all that, uh music coming up i mean like they were in god uh were in champagne urbana in the late 60s uh graduated and like lived through like the vietnam era their era they were in their 20s at that point like they were young Did your dad serve uh no he managed to get out of it because of a medical deferment oh okay. uh he showed his draft card got pulled and he went to go check it up and he's got a weird problem with his fingernails uh, <laughs> oh. and they thought that the problem would be made worse if he went to the tropical jungles of Vietnam so for real? Major- yeah that was the only reason Wait, he got did, out. Is there a name for this condition that he has? I've never looked into it. <laughs> I, I know you can see uh, he's got like weird, like sort of like fungused out fingernails that, that never grew in appropriately because like when he was to tell this weird oh, story when he was when he was a life. He used to be a lifeguard. OK. And when he was a lifeguard. They used to play a really stupid game where uh, one of the lifeguards would hang from the high dive board uh-huh. and the other would hop up and down on the board trying to bounce the other one off, which just sounds Terribly dangerous and wildly irresponsible. But probably but I guess, a lot of fun. Probably a lot of fun. But I guess, you know, 1960s teenagers. So, you know, like no one's really telling them they can't. There were no rules back then. So uh, apparently while doing this, you would uh, like crack your fingernails a lot as you struggled to hold I on to the edge. I can imagine that. And that would all of that awful pool water apparently helped get them pretty like jazzed up and infected. Oh, really? So, uh chlorine in addition to whatever other yeah, chemicals so would have like been he in had, at that he time. Like really, he's almost all my life. His, his doctors have taken care of them now because, of course, we have a solution for this yeah. as of, like, 1990. But, and you know, during back Vietnam, in, no. during Vietnam, they had no idea what they were looking yeah. at, and so they thought that, you know, the tropical jungles of Vietnam would, would make it worse, that he might lose the ability to, like, use his hands meaningfully. And oh. so they were like, we don't we don't want you in the armed services. You're you're deferred. And so he was like, okay, cool. Swish. Awesome for me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't have to go. So, yeah, but, you know, lived through all of this yes. era of music and then, like, fell into the easy listening no. The Kenny G's and whatnot. Yeah, like the Kenny G's. Um, God, I'm trying to think about it. Like he did a lot on Bob Marley too. He did a lot of like Rasta too, and uh, like just really never had any real like musical through line that I ever saw. I never really understood anything, but he would listen to like a lot of jazzy stuff, a lot of stuff that I was never really interested in. By the time I came along, they had me very late. I was 88, so they were 41 each when they had me. Yep. I was, I was, I'm the only one, so I'm like very tail end. So they had never had any experiences prior to this, and as a result, 
I never really got any of that like classic rock education starting with the Beatles and moving forward that I feel like a lot of people in our generation got. Like I, I'm yeah, I'm living proof that that I was my father is a Beatles head. Like mm-hmm. it was we watched all the movies, listened to all the albums yeah. and uh got like uh, 100.7 the Fox. Your we there's a couple of classic rock stations in Eastern. Yeah. That was the other, the other big one. Um all the time. All that was the station we would just would be on, you know. And they had the the Beatles brunch every Sunday. Yeah. Like it, it was just that was part well, and parcel with growing up. That's the crazy thing is like I remember when I finally did start taking an interest in this, like looking through my dad's record collection and finding like the original Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club yeah. on vinyl and yeah. finding like albums. But like I think Who's Next was in there too. Like. He, he listened to all of this music in its era. He had just kind of like moved left on. it all behind and moved on. Uh-huh. So by the time I was born, I never really got that exposure. They always listened to like really, for at least for a small kid, very boring, like jazzy, easy listening music that just kind of rolled off. So I never really had any sort of major interest outside of like pop music and yeah. top 40s charts, which god in the 90s it was was just atrocious music like there's just it was also kind of all over the place i yeah. feel like too you know yeah you go from you know boys to men to uh nirvana yep uh maybe i feel like it runs the gamut because i it's part of my lifetime like yeah we're so we're just as a as a generation we're so all over the place but we we are though like the idea that what what in sync was Broke onto our Backstreet Boys broke onto the charts in like ninety five, ninety six something, yeah. and like if if memory serves, Nevermind was ninety three. Around then, yeah, something like that. Ninety three or ninety four, like that's that would have been about the last bit of Nirvana music. Yeah, because um, there was in utero. Uh, did Nevermind come? I get I always get the order wrong with Nirvana it's, albums. So. It's Nevermind was first and then In Utero. And I thought In Utero was 94 and Nevermind was like recorded in 92 and then wasn't released until 93. Oh, really? Okay. I thought. I don't I don't oh, no. I am no scholar when it comes my to My memory on this is is terrible. I'm sure people are out there listening wringing their hands being nah. like you idiots, you idiots. It's Hey, this is 92. not a Nirvana this is not a Nirvana podcast. This, so this fair. <laughs> um and also it's it's up for debate whether or not they even belong in the classic rock genre. They definitely don't, in my opinion. <laughs> hey, but no, that's hey, that we could debate that, right? Um, so what? So I think it's actually interesting. You're talking about you. So the reason my dad kept listening to it, and to a lesser extent, my mother, uh, and I, it's because it's the music that they grew up with. Because there's right. there's all those studies and whatever bullshit you want to believe that says like the stuff you listen to in your in your twenties is probably the stuff you're going to listen to or a variation on that yeah. for the rest of your life. But it sounds like perhaps your your father and I don't know about your mother, but like they had listened they probably in their twenties were listening to the Beatles. Yeah. And then in their thirties or whatever, forties, like, hey, you know who's really good? Kenny G. Or, yeah, or, or, or whatever. And like they, they just kind super, of abandoned it's that. It's super weird to me because uh it was one of those things where like I I have read that as well. I I believe it from like my own experience. Yeah. I and mean, I'm I'm only 30 here. I'm not exactly an old man yet, but like I've been listening to, you know, like indie garage stuff for the last, you know, 15 years or so. And I can't imagine my interests diverging too greatly from that. And yet I see my dad and my dad, like, I remember when I finally did start taking an interest in classic rock being like, Hey, did, did you like see 
any of these people play? And he's like, yeah, I saw the Who play live. And I was like, you saw the Who play live? And he's like, yeah. Was, and I was like... Was Keith Moon still alive for that? Yeah. Oh, my God. This was in like 68, 69 that he saw them play. That like This was phenomenal. one of their first tours in America. And he's like, yeah, I saw them in like a small show in Illinois somewhere. I can't remember if it was Chicago or if it was actually down in Champaign-Urbana uh. when he was in college. But he's like, yeah, I saw them at like a small show. And it was great. It was a lot of fun. And I was <laughs> they're, like... They're pretty good. I, want, I think they're going to go places. Yeah, that was, that was kind of how he presented it. And I was like, but you never... Th- thought that that was like worth like passing on to me apparently that was just like wasn't something that they ever really like felt so attached to that they wanted to pass on so i had to i had to kind of dig into other places and actually weirdly kind of backdoored it where like i told you i had an interest in garage and indie and that weirdly led me in a different direction Backwards towards classic rock is. Well, you have out, to like, look at the influence. Exactly are. the origins of these. A lot of these uh, artists go because, like, sorry, just going. It's it's funny that you're, you you couldn't get this. You had to ask your dad. Like every time we go, to, like, uh, or even remotely close to a venue that my father had gone to when he was younger, we'd be like, yeah, we saw Elton John there. So yeah. you and your mom, you and your mom, and I saw we they saw Elton John there. Like he will he'll just tell us these things because he's very proud of the artists yeah. that he's seen because it's a big deal to him. Uh, I think it, it's. Uh, very fun that your dad could just be like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of, well, I almost how, forgot. That's how, uh, like, uh, my girlfriend, kids, dad is the exact same way. Is like when, when we're like down in friend of the show, kid, yeah, Ryan. Yeah. Friend of the show, kid, Ryan. Uh, when we're down, like where she grew up, her dad will talk about like, uh, seeing these people and seeing those people. And do you remember this one? And do you remember that one? And that song. And so like, she got raised with all these like, you know, deep, deep knowledge of, of just music of the 60s and 70s and a little bit in the early 80s, but not really so much from, from her dad. And I just kind of missed all of that because my parents just kind of let that whole side of themselves just disappear and they embraced like old people elevator music like really, really easily. Hey, hey I mean, whatever makes you happy. I, right? I, I can't really do it. Like occasionally I can find something that like I know my dad will like that's that's like what I listen to, like Sky Blue Sky from Wilco. Oh, it's a good with, like, those, those, yeah. like like I, I really enjoy that album and I know he really likes like the smooth, easy listening like guitar licks and stuff yeah. and like the tangents they go on just doing some jamming and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like he, he likes the softer and you know uh, like you got some the impossible roots. Germany or Yeah, <laughs> exactly like impossible you got the roots on the drums instead yeah. of like the full sticks and there's mm-hmm. not really a lot of splashing and crashing yeah. around. Yeah. It's very, very like easy stuff or like Whitney with like the nice horn section that kind of like envelops you is, is another one that's more recent that mm-hmm. I know he's enjoyed. But like mostly that's that's the type of stuff I have to go with. I can't exactly be like, oh yeah, you know, Led Zeppelin or, you know, anything like that just because it's just not what he does. And it, it, it was a weird journey getting there. So uh, how did you, because uh, it sounds like it sounds like you introduced Kit. In, so one of the reasons I thought this was going to be a fun topic is that uh, Kit had indie rock, which mm-hmm. is what you uh, are are more well versed yeah. in, and she came in too late. And she's more well versed in classic rock that you came in too late. Did she get you into it, or did you find another way? What was what got you aside? So you you said mm-hmm. you you backtracked. Yeah. Is that is that like the primary like that was I have I have two major influences for for coming to this one was uh i started listening to like indie rock music around 
uh, 10 years old. So I was like in fifth grade, right? Fifth, sixth grade, right when I started doing, uh, I guess it would have been like sixth, seventh would have been more accurate with it. Uh, who were who you, who are you jamming on? I, I remember like, is this hit coming out? Like the oh, strokes, the strokes, were, the strokes yeah. were super, yeah, yeah. I, rem- uh, I remember sweeping the back stairs of my house, listening to uh, on my, yeah. on my CD Walkman, just listening to that album over and over again. That was, that was a big one. That's like where, where I went to high school, they were, they were a huge influence. Uh, like there was a whole scene of kids that, that, uh, kind of embraced that like indie scene i went to school uh actually the my high school had two of the kids from fallout boy oh yeah okay and they were seniors and you're proud of that uh, no not at all it was terrible (laughs) but uh i was i was a uh a freshman when they were seniors in high school so we were like four years apart uh i had friends bands who were like playing shows with them um at like the winnetka yo which was like the winnetka youth house i'm from the north side chicago you know grew up in like the rich area but like like highland park yeah exactly like wilmette had like a warming house that they used where like they would put on like youth rock shows and stuff like that and winnetka had like their winnetka community center basement where Mm -hmm. they would have rock shows and so like fallout boy would play i didn't know they were from uh the north side yeah 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 yeah. they're they're all uh two of them went to gbn which is glenbrook north and two of them went to uh nutra high school if memory serves on the on the divisions it might have been Glenbrook south there's a bunch of high schools as i say you could make you could make all of this up and i'd be like wow john knows his facts but i uh i I did go to high school with those guys and that was they were all part of the same sort of scene that was like all finding indie music like right at that era when like new york style indie music yeah like the killers and the 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 strokes and the strokes like was it jet didn't jet come out the hives you had the fines the hives uh and the strokes all kind of like right at the same time uh, and mtv did that whole like vines versus hives and they wanted to bring the strokes in but the strokes were like that's beneath us yeah we don't do that we don't we don't do that what was there was a name for that whole scene i can't like i i talked about it on kit's podcast yeah and i can't remember the guy thing i I can't remember the what what the actual name i i I know it's like the New York rock scene. I know James Murphy was a huge player in it. Yeah. I know that you know you have a, you have a lot of those folks that were a part of it. But yeah, I was tangentially very big part of that. Sure, uh, sure, sure. Out in the Midwest, and you know went to those shows. I remember seeing like the Vines play in seventh grade, and seeing the Strokes in eighth grade, and again in freshman year. So and you came into these things like like I expect most people to. Yeah. Uh, it was part of your high school. Yeah, it was what it was a socially uh, uh, acceptable. Like this is what kids do at yeah, school. Yeah, this is like it. It wasn't like the most popular thing. Like it was definitely like its own scene. Like, but it's your what your what your friends. But, did. Yes, it's what my friends did, and I fell in with one of my friends was uh, a year younger. Uh, and we had a band together and tried to play music <laughs> rather unsuccessfully. But uh, she had a lot more basis in in indie music and was like. Uh, was into like the libertines and was uh, just much more like early on the white stripes early on the strokes oh, just yeah, God, had like strange. tapes of, of stuff that was like on actual cassette tapes that had been passed around her parents were super super hip and like, oh, okay. <laughs> her parents were like yeah, drug yeah. people so they were like oh, into yeah. like hipster communities that were like feeding were like when these people would come to chicago and they'd need to get their drugs they were getting drugs from the same people that her parents were getting drugs from it's weird how those venn diagrams cross over (laughs) these weird venn diagrams so she was like very very on the edge and and actually what it was was it was uh 
in the like early 2000s the dandy warhols and oh yeah the brian jonestown massacre and listening to the brian jonestown massacre in particular just hearing how much they they had a a documentary film called dig that came out which was uh, a documentary about the Dandy Warhols and the Brian Jonestown mm-hmm. massacre and how they had a blur oasis relationship with one another where they were, they were, they, they hated one another. They were oh. constantly in the press rag on any time. Uh, one of them would have even like a little bit of like underground coverage out in LA mm-hmm. and, or in Portland, they would like shit talk the other band. And the idea was that <laughs> it was their way of getting press for the other people. They were like, that's what blur and oasis are doing. Like blur and it fucking, works wants to make oasis bigger and oasis wants to make blur bigger so rather than be like oh yeah they're great go listen to them they're like fuck those guys just because they're assholes i hate oh, them oh what and a wonderful pr people stunt. are like oh my god i have to go figure out like who those people are but you know when you start talking too much shit in the public and you don't talk to one another too much you actually start to get some real you know like love hate relationship going on between the two of you. that's pretty great and especially though. when you start doing a lot of drugs on top of that yeah sure but sure sure it was a lot of seeing that influence, seeing hearing Anton Newcomb of the Brian Jonestown Massacre talk about the Beatles and talk about Zeppelin and Bob Dylan and and these acts that he like directly influenced, credited to being like an influence mm-hmm. for like what he was doing. He saw himself as this like direct descendant of early seventies <laughs> rock music, sure. whether whether or not that's actually the type of like he had. I I feel like he had a lot more folk influence in there than than some of those bands in the early 70s. But, you know, he knows a lot more about music than I do, so well, I'll, I'll let the man speak for his own music. And I, I love hearing the stories of influence. It's like, well, whatever, I guess it, you could you could say, uh, uh, you know, Chopin. Like, yeah. whatever made you make the music is not for us to make the interpretive leap. It's like, well, he took that and he went to there. I don't know how right? he did it. You, but You like, put the pieces into the machine and then it pops, pops out the it. other side as a fully formed thing. Yeah, and like, I, I guess he did it. I don't it. know how that happened, <laughs> but there you go. But uh, that was that was how I, I first started digging in, in particular into the Beatles and, and just like getting interested in... in I mean, I had, I had grown up hearing like some of the Beatles, like early 60s mm-hmm. music, right? Like the, the very poppy, like I want to hold your, your hands hand. and, and please, 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 please me, that sort of stuff. And that never really resonated with and me. It doesn't for a lot of people. Like most, most people get in the Beatles, I'd say like Hard Day's Night and After is yeah. usually when people like start like, oh yeah. And, and that's honestly when they started writing, the majority of their albums were written by yeah. the Beatles. Which fits into the that the the artists are writing their own music part yeah. of the criteria of what classic rock is exactly, and so like that sort of stuff started to like I was like oh the the Beatles do some like like Rubber Soul Rubber in the White great. Album and you you start to get these like weird trippy songs yeah, that they yeah. start doing and. I started feeding into that a lot more, and that became a, a much more Aww. interesting sort of yeah. music for me to listen to. And so, like, there was bits of that as I was, like, late in high school, like, 17, 18, but then the real, like, education started when I was in uh, college. My – we had these, like, rooms – not my roommate, but we had these rooms that were, like, two to a room with a shared bathroom in between. Uh, so, you – in the dorms, you'd, you'd have, like – essentially like four people to two rooms with a bathroom shared between the four guys Mm -hmm. and on the other side what was like i guess your sweet mate was was who's one of my best friends now i pitched his podcast earlier keynotes same guy it was oh great is a fantastic also had a band we bonded over the fact that we had similar interest in movies similar interest in music was into very very big uh 
indie music. Uh, he he was you like in the term big indie music. Big indie. Uh, no, uh, this is a no. weird way of phrasing yeah. it. No, no, but, no. But like, uh, but sorry, was... I, I think it's what an oxymoron. But yes, it's, but it's uh, accurate. Yes, <laughs> it's mean... it's like popular. Not maybe not like the most obscure stuff in the world, but like what was like. Death Cab for Cutie, yeah. you're right. Like Modest Mouse, Wilco, Modest Mouse, that sort of stuff. Not big like indie music. Big indie music, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, we we kind of bonded over. Sorry, let the, let the cat out. Right, we bonded over that and the fact that we were both in the same program. We were both film students at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, started digging in. He was a musician. He plays guitar and is is a very very talented guitarist. I uh, was playing with a band at the time that no longer exists uh sadly if, if you're a chicago uh small sort of band connoisseur they did a couple shows at like subterranean and stuff like mm-hmm. that they were albatross and spawned uh if if you've been following like pitchfork or anything uh namdi ogbenaya uh is, look him up people is, he's he's had a couple write-ups on uh on Pitchfork, where oh, cool. they, they like love his stuff now, and oh. he's actually starting to like travel get some around traction. and get some traction. He cool. was their drummer. Cool. He so oh, nice. he, he started out as a as a drummer and has expanded because he's like insanely musically talented. Could pick up any instrument and just like figure out how to play it. Don't you just want to punch those people? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's like a ton of hard work too, and I don't want to like undermine any of it but like he's definitely the type of guy that made it seem like he was just yeah. picking up the instrument he and would just be like, picked it up is he, it out. is he handsome too yeah he is oh. so I, it's it's just it's don't tell me about his like, penis i don't want to know i know right it's terrible no <laughs> he's um nice and <laughs> he's a super nice guy super talented but uh we'll my, find out my, what's wrong with him later my buddy uh who played guitar for him at the time uh was big into you know if you're gonna learn guitar a lot of people have you learning on the classic licks you learn yeah, deep purples you learn smoke on the water purples, smoke on the water you do some led zeppelin yeah. you do late who you know I like how now we we all do uh uh uh, God, Seven Nation Army. Yeah, is Seven like Nation the... <laughs> Army is like the the classic. Like, that's, I mean, even I can play that it's song like, on guitar. It's, and now I it's classic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but he was uh, uh, much more into uh, that era of music as well, and had that background because of this, and went to um, a Beatles camp. Actually, it was, it was the craziest thing that I had. Like, I was like, it's a camp about the Beatles, and he's like, yeah, you'd go. It's, it was like an away camp for a week. Welcome where, to Beatles Camp. I am the curator here at the camp. Where, like, no joke, you you like sat down with your guitar and like learned to play the songs while you're there. And they talked about like the songwriting theory that was employed by Lennon McCartney yeah, and like what they were doing. They and, enjoy like, jazz chords. And so, like, he got an insane appreciation for like that base of music and then sure. where it came out. And so he was responsible for showing me a lot of like uh he he owned uh we both had like massive cd cases filled with dvds back in the day yeah yeah, yeah, we, yeah like yeah. have all the music movies and stuff and you know we, we had similar collections but he had like an entire section of like music documentaries so oh, he, cool, he cool. had like you know electric <laughs> ladyland and watching Jimi hendrix make yeah. electric ladyland uh and uh had god i'm trying to think of some of the other ones i mean he had like the last waltz too martin scorsese martin scorsese and and he had a couple others where uh you watch like the rolling stones do sure. uh did he have did he have stop making sense oh that's not really a documentary i guess it's a concert show it's that's I, don't, the, I don't think he had that one heads. but he had he had a bunch of the like and there was another one where uh 
the who goes through like making a couple of their albums like he had a bunch of these and hmm. he would be like oh yeah, yeah yeah you have to watch them to get an appreciation for this music and like hmm. he was the one that gave me like his itunes files of like you know getting so he's about adding the contextual yeah adding like, the uh, contextual uh, 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 elements to really getting into the music which is i mean i know for some people that can certainly heighten it and others it's like well why it's it's about the music right yeah i don't need to know what chicken dinner he ate before he wrote uh i don't uh please please me right well as as someone that's like a filmmaker and is into the visual it it certainly is one of those things that helps and like you get a lot of talking heads and they talk with admiration and they point they always pick out like the most weird stories that they can about about these people that of make course. them seem larger than life yeah, which yeah. I think the, fits into the whole the legend yeah, and the, yeah like the, the creating the this canon exactly yeah, yeah and absolutely. I, I think that's also part of what sells it right is like when you have these baby boomers that have foggy memories because of all the drug use and stuff <laughs> and and now because and of then, senility and the, yeah and then also senility because they're older no but uh, in seriousness but like then you have all these documentaries that go about and yeah while well, they tell you exactly like what was going on while they were making these and like what was being done you also have them building on the legends of these people it make them seem yeah. like they're larger than life musicians where they talk about what was going on like when the legend of what like of what woodstock yep. is and exactly i'm sure he had that maybe he had that that film which is interesting i think he, yeah he, he did have that one he had another one where uh it was like the grateful dead uh janet joplin and the band were like in concert together sounds it was, like that would happen right and it's 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 some crazy stuff that you'd watch or like the rolling stones rock and roll circus was another mm-hmm. one that we watched which was you know mick jagger's weird attempt to have a tv show for a hot minute and <laughs> then he decided it was a lot of work honey i'm home anymore <laughs> um that one was is if you're ever looking like for a great for performances from those guys back in the day yeah. that's that's a way to find it but hey, they're still on tour we could see it we could do it right right now <laughs> um but yeah, that was that was like my exposure to like that style of music, which leads you deeper into you know looking at like okay, what spawned out of those guys, what came next, and seeing some more of this, you know, like you get that old almost famous era of music, right, yeah. the mid seventies to late seventies, and I wouldn't say that like that's like my primary. Speaking of ways that music, we but we romanticize that era, yeah. movies like Almost Famous, yeah, uh, it's like a thoroughly. It, it makes it just it's so it's so saccharine and dripping with emotion the whole thing and like uh yeah talking about like things that glorify an yeah, era is, of rock is, music is, there's there's definitely well and that's the other thing is like you cannot watch like uh, a fantastic modern example is like ken burns just released uh, a big a huge uh documentary is like 10 episodes 11 episodes on vietnam yes and every single episode is like just punctuated with the music of the era yeah and all of the nom films that you think of you know you have this this music playing over i think they it. all have like a rolling st- don't they all play it's either gimme shelter or yep. paint it black <laughs> pretty much uh and it's one of those things though where that kind of builds this this mythology of like the music being intertwined with this this these politics and talking about this this political music but as as the article you just read talked about is like a lot of the music alongside of that kind of coasts right like the mid 70s era through like late 80s or mid 80s is kind of coasts on the political sort of 
fundamentals of rock and roll and then uses that sound and depoliticizes it to make yeah, it and safe for mainstream. I, yeah, I thought that was such an not, not it wasn't something I thought of because I, I don't and maybe this is the problem that I don't think much about classic rock. Yeah. It, it it's there, it's fine. It it's not hurting me, but it's not also something that I don't have I I, I wouldn't say I don't think I have any like classic rock on my on my phone. Yeah. Or like in my iTunes really. Um I have Things that are adjacent, things that precede it or or yeah. come after, um, and things that were going on at the same time, but certainly weren't uh, like I, I have like a lot, a lot of David Bowie. No, yeah. and you you they though they may play like you know changes or uh, like fame. You, you or usually s- get like uh, the one Bowie is um, under pressure. Under pressure is, that's is with, the one that like, I yeah when when you have him working with Freddie with, Mercury with Freddie Mercury yeah, yeah. right and so like that's one of those things that I I feel like you 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 take like Bowie and his his very like political art statement right and you find the one version of him that is safe and marketable mm. and like Queen is an incredible band that does some interesting and and uh, controversial things in their career but like a lot of their music doesn't necessarily pretty tame. Like, reflect that. I mean, look at We Will Rock You. Right. I mean, uh, huge anthemic tune. And, all, and of course, paired with We Are the Champions. Like, these are, are iconic songs in classic yeah. rock history um, that aren't, that don't, that are nothing but fist pumping. Like, yeah. And we're so, great. like, things I learned, are great. I learned the same sort of, like, when you go through, like, The Who, when you go through The Rolling Stones, you come to The Doors because there's a whole generation of people that are, like, in love with the depth of the doors and i enjoy a lot of the doors music but I'm not i've a fan. never been able to really find that like maybe i don't do enough drugs maybe that's <laughs> maybe i don't do what what jim morrison uh, what was doing jim morrison was doing well you'd be uh, dead if you did <laughs> right um three years ago apparently yeah, yeah. um but uh but I've never really managed to find that depth. And so like, while I enjoy some of their songs and I, I like some of their music and I've been led to that, it's not really like, a, I have no emotional attachment to it. And like, I feel like sort of a stranger because like, I enjoy the music. I can see the appeal. I can see why people have built it up. But like, to me, a lot of it is just music, right? Like there's, there's music, like if it comes on the radio, I'll listen to it. And Isn't like, that what they call just, Muzak? Right? <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I have no emotional relationship to it in a way that like I feel like Kit does, someone that was raised with it. And so in a one regard, I, I think that what you talked about with your like your bit on classic rock, right? That it was there before me and it will be there after yeah. me and it'll survive. I feel like some of that is like the indoctrination of youth, the exposure that it has that nostalgia mm-hmm. that like your parents are remembering. Ex- now we associate with our parents. And now we associate yes. with our parents yes. and our parents hated their parents, but we really liked our parents. And so we are like, we associate like have happy thoughts with our parents in that music and we'll pass it on to our kids because we'll be like this is what your grandma and grandpa used to listen yeah, to I, i'm i so brooklyn does not like the beatles um that's so weird to me no it, you have have a chat with her but it's yeah. it's it, it 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 makes sense I get uh, not liking all of the Beatles, but I I've genuinely thought that you can find at least like one corner of the Beatles oh, that you could just be like, "There's some that's t- good enough." There's some tunes that she's fine with, but it's yeah. it's uh, it got because of people 
maybe like Kit and me, mm-hmm. who and and in combination with the overexposure uh, yeah. from Baby Boomer, like so, if there was a time, I think it was maybe just like eight months ago, maybe a year ago. Uh, on Netflix, I think the Ron Howard Beatles doc had come out. Yeah. And so because of that, there was also just every, like, it was either Hitler's gold nuggets of magical mysteries. Right. Or it was magical mystery was tour. Magical mystery tour. <laughs> um, and so, it, it, and that that was one of those things like that. The, the Beatles are fucking everywhere. Yeah. And, and it was, even me as a fan, a big fan uh, it, it was it was something I just kind of like dismissed because I I had to dismiss it because it it's uh, egregious and it does put a bad taste in your mouth if you if if you didn't love them the way that I did yeah um and so I get that so her because her dad mm-hmm. um is a little bit younger than mine but he would listen to more more classic rock stuff yeah. um like sh- she likes Tom Petty a lot because her dad it's... loves Tom Petty and and well also like no, yeah. nothing wrong with Tom Petty. Um, where, whereas I have this affinity for the Beatles because my father did. Um, but Tom Petty is not idolized. He's not. No, he's not he's worshipped not, he's not the, worshipped way, in the, the way the Beatles, Beatles are. are. Not that Tom Petty doesn't have a following, but like no, um, he has a huge and, following. And, and but that's that's what, what kind of ruined and and people music snobs keep saying like, why don't you listen to the Beatles? They're the great and like, and yes, they may be. The greatest rock band ever, like we, we you know, yeah, that's didn't have that argument. Wh- whether whatever, but like, uh, it becomes just like one of those things. Like, fuck it, I don't. I'm no. I, it's easier for me right now just to, to put my middle fingers up and say, yeah. screw the establishment. Why do I want to listen to this well, stuff? It's also like, effort. It's also a lot of effort, right? Like, yeah, sure. I, I, it's work. I relate it to, <laughs> to comic books. Comic books are one of those interesting things. That's like, if you want to try to read the X Men comic books, it's the most impossible thing like i i haven't it's overwhelming I, i've tried and there's like you can go on entire forums and find like 15 different spots where you're supposed to like dip in <laughs> and find like this is a great place for you to start if you haven't been reading since 1970 and you don't want to start reading at 1970 yep and you're like because like there's the gold age the silver age yep. and they were you know, it's... and it, it it's the same i feel like the same thing is true with music in a lot of ways yeah. right like with with bands like the beatles where you have like 10 albums to choose from plus and then like all the collections of like different recordings because they keep putting that shit out because like the baby like for the people who want more they're just going to keep selling more and finding new ways to repackage it um and then of course you have all of the the solo acts that stem and people all off of that will inevitably have a conversation all of lennon's solo stuff and all of mccartney's solo stuff and then wings and then the Ringo Starr Band, which just comes out of its own left field. But then like, just like you, you, have the same, you have the same thing with a, a band like the Eagles or, or Tom Petty or something like that, where it's like, it is a lot of effort yeah. to go back and be like, where do I start with all of this? Mm-hmm. If you actually want to be a fan. If you actually want to be a fan, as yeah. opposed to the guy that like, oh yeah, I can pick that song out off the radio and be like, yeah, that's... That's Tom Petty. Yeah, I know free. I know free fallen. I know free fallen. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of free, free fallen. fallen. That I'll I'll listen she to that. She was American girl. Yeah, exactly. But like, actually being a fan takes a lot of effort. Yeah. If you didn't, it's like a language. It's it's it really is. It's like its own language. Because so, I think then you all you then set yourself. It, it makes you a little vulnerable in a way that you, yeah. you you set up like I am a fan of X. Yeah. Uh, which then if you say that you're openly a fan of X, uh, then bigger fans of X, X are going to be like, well, do you know this? Yeah. You don't know that? Well, you're some shitty oh, did fan. You, did you know that, that 
New York City Cops wasn't on the original release of Is This It? Because Is This It was New released York in City the aftermath Cop. of 9-11 and it was deemed too disrespectful they to the NYPD. Yeah, and, and you know, like... I, when I was a kid, I always thought it was New York City Girls. I always thought it was New York City Girls, they ain't too smart. I mean, that would have been a whole different song. <laughs> Honestly... It probably would have had nothing to do. It probably would have made the album. Though. I would have... I. Uh, my brother put that. He, I thought that was because so I listened mm-hmm. to a burned version of it, and my yeah. brother had put it on there because it was yeah. in the original track listing. Um, yeah. So, so I that, thought I always thought that was an original song. That's that's a fun. Like I I recently bought uh, is this is this it on vinyl? Uh, I was on a record store on record store day, and they just happened to have a copy of it. And I was like, ooh, which uh, which cover did it have? Um, it had the uh, the uh, yellow and blue. Uh, not the original uh, album cover no, either. No. I love Wasn't. that. I love that original album. I know, right? It's fantastic. It, it always reminds me of. Have you seen the film? Speaking of classic rock, mm-hmm. this is Spinal Tap. Yes. Uh, it always reminds me of Sniff the Sniff the Glove album yeah. cover. Sniff the Glove album <laughs> cover, where it was just too weird, so yep. they had to go. We. This is uh, oddly black. oddly submissive and uh, overly sexualized. Can we have perhaps uh, not do this? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and that also like a, another. On the, in the same way that you know you watch the uh, uh, the, the wait uh, uh, the band's film we have uh, the last waltz thank you the last yeah. waltz uh, which glorifies it in a different way of something like this is Spinal Tap which glorifies oh, but yeah. it, which satirizes it which also again reestablishes its mythos and its and its well place that's in the, the hilarious canon, thing right? about like this is Spinal Tap is is it's not just one era of music right like it's, they cover they, the, they cover the span like of classic they are, rock they, they start are very as, much like they start out as this like Beatles esque yeah. uh, you know like all wearing all having the same haircut yep. black and white on Ed Sullivan sort mm-hmm. of thing and then eventually morph into like hair, hair metal, metal band. in the 1980s actually that that I think is without without even thinking about it until just right now what a perfect encapsulation of what it you know what we now consider to be class, like the era of classic right? rock it's it's your quintessential like it's the only band that that could have served like because no band can survive that you wouldn't think yeah you wouldn't think one band but i guess like that's even the crazy thing is like rolling stones, stones. to a certain extent yeah. did and they're still surviving yeah. now it's arguable. surviving is uh... are, are they are they I don't think that the Stones are still putting out new music, but I have. I don't know about new music. It. They're still touring. I know they're it's, still yeah. touring, but I assume that they just run out there and last year. I had heard. I'd heard a new track they had out maybe like two or three years ago. I don't know if it was part of a new album, but it was. It was so like this is, this is some meh rock music. Like it's. Yeah. It's like more. You more want to applaud like man, you guys are older than my dad, and you're still making rock. But and that's music. that's the other thing. It's like I remember. So there's still some of that like. I remember a lot of the car commercials, which is the other thing that we were talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. where you have like the doors playing in a lot of car commercials. And actually, that's like a, a key plot point in um, uh, in the Doors movie, in the Oliver Stone movie. Oh, really? It's, yeah. There's this. I've never never seen it. Not a huge it fan is... of Oliver Stone either. So yeah. the Doors in an Oliver Stone uh, project. Man, so recipe for me not watching it. <laughs> I love that movie, and not necessarily like in. The way that I feel like Oliver Stone like in, intended me like to love most that of the movie. Oliver Stone films that I I watch I probably don't enjoy them the way that Oliver Stone would like me uh, to. It it's a very very like 
buck wild film like some of the Im- believe it. some of the imagery in it is just like absurd uh it's all based around like jim morrison's final recording session like that's like the plot device that like enables him to like flashback like through all of his his time so you have like oh, so sure, sure, sure. if you're unfamiliar val kilmer plays jim morrison uh-huh. uh it, this is like right at the edge of of val kilmer becoming like fat kilmer uh <laughs> so like he is he's still pretty good but like in the framing devices he's chubby jim morrison uh-huh. because jim morrison towards the end started getting real real yeah. fat and having problems fitting into them uh leather Tight pants jeans, yeah uh and and so the framing device is the last recording uh that he ever did in france in he was like recording poetry he wasn't even with the doors he was like by himself and so like they do like occasional interludes in black and white oh, mr of, mojo's dying of, of him of him like talking about you know like poetry and poems and like the heart and soul of himself and stuff but anyways just real ridiculous uh 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 movie and there's a part in it where like towards the end where they're like yeah you know like we got we got like somebody wants to put our song in a commercial and like of course fucking val kilmer's jim morrison's just like flipping out being like i don't want to be it's a fucking car commercial that the man puts out i don't want to sell out and like there's you know it's like very very over the top and i was like okay so cool exactly what they did as soon as you died i don't know if that's a historical moment or if that's oliver stone like criticizing winking to the audience a little bit and winking to the audience a little bit but yeah like it's it's definitely like the big association is like acdc uh van halen uh oh god because in the 80s is something i still have trouble even i like think that stuff that certain are like i hair metal to me does not belong in classic rock yeah um that's that's complete that's its own like that's the direct descendant of classic rock yeah to my mind like that's where it went next but for a lot of people it is it is as a much as much a part of it as acdc is i struggle with that i i kind of tend to see like acdc is like one of the the last because acdc isn't really hair metal to me it's it's they like they they kind of are but then they they i feel like they run in similar circles but they're not and like they have similar like guitar licks some of the inspiration is is taken there but like again i feel like it's not quite the same thing Uh, well they i mean i so i think aside from musicality and all that stuff aside like the, the imagery like a yeah. big part of hair metal is like they had the hair but uh they weren't they they didn't wear spandex yeah. they weren't they weren't sort of there was that that androgynous yes. quality to a lot of hair metal bands at the exactly. time exactly they they uh, avoided that they they well, were they're, they're hyper masculine well that's but that's the thing with like classic rock right like so with hair metal there's there's this interesting willingness towards the androgyny it's it's it plays into that probably incredibly on pc but Chappelle shows get the line that charlie murphy delivers during the uh, the prince one is like that was the 80s so yeah. the more bitch the more like a bitch you dress the more bitches you got yeah and like that that to me sums up like the 80s is like we were we as a country were willing to explore and play with our androgyny men were not so uptight as maybe they are even today or they had been preceding that when it came to like wearing makeup teasing up their hair there there was a glam rock era like you know with with bands like uh, t-rex in like the late 60s early 70s so i think there was there was androgyny but i think it and not that it went away bubbled over yeah not that it went away in the 70s and again this is me just this is all through the lens of somebody who is just kind of looking at it uh, through a very generic. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not a scholar on this. Yeah, this is like this is my impression uh, based on just the things I've cobbled together over a lifetime. Yeah. Um, 
that it didn't go away in the 70s because long hair was still a thing. That's true. You know, tight jeans were still a thing. But I think there was a, a, a shift towards a more, uh, ma- like it was, there was a more a, a machismo that was, that started if, I don't know, I'm trying to phrase this. I guess it just goes in waves, right? Yeah. <laughs> or, 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 I mean, or, that's, or, that's or we're talking like... about, we're talking about mainstream versus that, that might also be an issue for me. I'm not Casey Kasem. I can't tell you what was in the top 40 yeah. in, ni- in 1971. Um, I, I guess my, my impression of it is, is mostly like in the, in the seventies, I don't, until you get to the late seventies and disco, which again, you have a little <laughs> bit more of where you start to get like it feels like you start to em- embrace androgyny. You start to embrace more feminine, uh, traditionally feminine. I'll say not solely yeah, feminine, should, but like traditionally, we know what you're yeah, getting at. traditionally feminine, uh, like fashion styles, haircuts, stuff like that. Yeah. You're starting to do things that like in the eighties where that are, that are much more, uh, sort of open to androgyny. And I think that's also why you see a lot of success from Elton John kind of resurging in that era and and Bowie kind of coming back in the 80s. Bowie, Bowie, uh, I read a really long article about how the album Let's Dance mm-hmm. changed the 80s. Yeah. Like, like bringing the synth to the forefront of yep. music in, in a way that wasn't just experimental but like this hey this shit can be used for pop music. I mean that's the crazy thing about like Bowie to think about is like he he has several eras of music oh, the, where he is very He relevant. transforms himself all the time. Like he's yeah. he's a fucking chameleon. Um he's so good. Um so now that now that you are you're more so you, so you say you've been into this since since college yeah which which I I being that we're you and I are a couple of thirty year olds that's not that's not that long no like given that I have been listening to the Beatles since I can remember yeah um that you've only got so what is your if if you like your impression as far as like the quality is this something that you feel people ought to get into or or is it something that like Hey man, if you got the because it because I think there's something about pursuing this that would be difficult unless you planned on listening to the radio. Otherwise, I think you're you're pursuing an artist or an album. Yeah, you're you're because you're not you're not going to get the vibe I of mean, the, classic rock without ni- listening the to the nice radio, thing, right? The nice thing about the world that we live in is the accessibility of everything out there, right? Like. You have Spotify now. Yeah. Where you have this. So easy. It's at your fingertips. Yeah. You yeah. type in a band and you can see every album that they've ever done. Now, whether those will be in order or like the correct album releases or whatever, or whether you'll have to dig through, like, if you're trying to do classic rock, a lot of times you have to dig through like the best ofs, like oh, six guess, or seven times. I guess you, you could just do radio like, on like fucking Pandora or Spotify. Yeah. yeah. What the hell? What the hell am I talking that's, about? I'm an idiot. That's it's what easy. I was gonna say. Is like it's it's fairly easy to like. Thank you, John. Dig yeah. into those things. It's just a matter of inclination and time. Yeah. And the problem is, is that you're gonna wade through a lot of stuff that you maybe don't want to yeah like there's a lot of there's a lot of like i'm not a real big eagles fan i gotta say like it's they have they have a few tracks i'm like that's that's a nice lovely tune 
uh, and your harmonies are sure tight. <laughs> I associate them more with like Coen Brothers films of the '90s, right? Like with uh, with the Big Lebowski having like oh sure, and I hate Eagles those songs, fucking despite Eagles, despite the fact that he hates the fucking yeah. Eagles, which is a whole thing to talk about with that. Like, well, why does that movie have like three Eagles songs? Well, I get think so. Uh, Hotel California, I'm, I I can honestly take or leave. Um, it's overplayed, but uh, yeah. honestly, like things like uh, um, oh gosh. Uh, where usually the Stephen Fry led songs, they're a little more folky. Like Don Henley, yeah, I'm not his his stuff gets a little funky. Like not that I don't dislike funk. White guys doing funk is it can be a little is weird. Uh, um, it's a little it's a little off. Yeah, um, and also just Don Don Henley's voice never yeah. did it for me. Um, and Joe Walsh is fine. I think he's a fun guy. He just seems like I would like to hang out with Joe Walsh kind of thing. Yeah, that's kind of. He kind of reminds me of the Ringo yeah. star of that band, hey, where it's like I hey don't man, really need let's to just play. I don't need to read like your. If if Ringo Starr came out with like a philosophy of music book, I don't think I would buy it. But if Ringo Starr wanted to come over to my house and open a couple of beers and just chat about music for a couple of hours, <laughs> just like playing the drums, I would be all about it because I think he's get me on the skins. Yeah, exactly. Uh, she taught uh, Keith Moon's kid how to play drums. Oh, really? Yeah, because Keith Moon was probably dead. Uh, or too drunk. There's a great. Oh man, what what? Docu- going back to the documentary, there's a great way. He apparently he and Keith Moon were like really good friends, uh, which was something I never would have imagined. Is Ringo Starr and Keith Moon being like great Ringo, friends? Ringo, Ringo, like Harry Nilsson. There's a Harry Nilsson doc. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, he and Ringo were super. T- I feel like yeah. Ringo just was friends with everybody because who doesn't like Ringo that well, cause the dude never made waves, right? He was just, he was just so friendly and he works on so many people's albums. Like he worked, I think he worked at one point or another with all of the other Beatles on their solo projects. Yeah. Just drums. Cause like, he's like, Hey, I'm l- I like playing the drums. Yeah. Right. Um, like he was, he was more get along than the rest. Oh, of them. absolutely. You get the feeling that he, he was probably the easiest, but I'll never forget this interview with Keith Moon and, uh, and Ringo Starr. And they're like sitting together in a room, like just chatting and, they're just going off the walls and like they're like hanging on one another and like lounging and like being really really like intimate and stuff and it's really weird a little homoerotic and, yeah it was a little little homoerotic and like keith moon is doing like the Not types that of stuff that you'd expect him to do like yeah. where he's like tweaking like ringo's nose and like pinching him and stuff and like they're like messing with one another as they're trying to talk and then like Keith Moon's like, sorry, we can't do this. We've 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 had too much. We've had too much. And then like Ringo interrupts him and it's like medicine. We've had too much we've medicine, teeny boppers. <laughs> and like that to me is uh, just like perfectly Ringo's like, let's keep it PC, yeah, let's keep yep. it safe, let's keep it happy. Well, he and Keith are both on the same whatever it is that they're on. Like Ringo's not willing to talk about it. Ringo's about to get it or and Keith's about to like dive right in with like, yeah, I'm on this. Yeah. Uh uh. Um, so, so now that we, we've pretty much established that it's not difficult if you wanted to just do classic rock radio on Spotify and we all got Spotify or Spotify is incredibly accessible. Yeah. Is this something that you think that is this worth a, worth the time still? Is this important, John? I kind of think it depends on like what you're interested in, right? I like I, I think you're missing out on some of the cultural zeitgeist. Like I still feel like I am not quite as like other people will like listen to music and be like oh yeah singing along with it like know who it is and i'll be like who is this and they'll look at me like i'm a fucking idiot because (laughs) i don't recognize it because this was not the music i was i was raised with so as a millennial i kind of feel like that's that's part of like our one of the cultural touchstones that i'm sort of 
missing. It would be like sure. if you knew nothing about Game of Thrones. Not that you didn't watch Game of Thrones, because like there are plenty of people that don't watch Game of Thrones. But they're aware but, like, of it. If you're on Twitter, if you're on Facebook, if you're on any social media, you know exactly like what happened roughly. Like mm-hmm. the Red Wedding is something that you that you've I had, heard of. Yeah, and I when I was doing a tour with Stone Soup Shakespeare, mm-hmm. that episode had just dropped. I had never seen any Game of Th- I had only seen like two episodes. Yeah, and there was a uh, some college party. The entire thing was themed around the Red Wedding. Yeah. And later in the night, they all pulled out Nerf guns and shot these two people who were getting, quote, unquote, married. That night. It was a, oh, it was one of those, co- like, they have a, a sorority girl and a fraternity and a boy, fraternity boy yeah. were, had their had their college like, wedding college or whatever, wedding yeah, or whatever. Yeah, they call that. Um, but yeah, it's, I had it's, no idea. If, I was like, well, I guess there's a thing called the Red Wedding and a bunch of people die. But like, it's one of those things that I, I feel like, or like the memes that are coming out now, like, right, like the Daenerys, like squinty face meme yeah. that's like, that's been popular recently as of the recording of this or some of the other ones that are, oh, I'm sure it'll still out. be popular when um, this is released. I mean, I don't know how long it takes. You oh, to it'll be up. It'll things. be up this month or next okay. month. Okay. But still, it's one May. of those things where it's like, I feel like classic rock is, is sort of a meme for our, yeah. like, it's our, it's a it's a non-internet based meme and so like if you're like me and you're a millennial that doesn't have those touchstones i definitely have moments where people talk about music that i am not as hip to as they are like i have some of the broad strokes to it but i'm still missing a lot of details just because as i said earlier it's really hard to get caught up on like, there's a ton of it there's three decades of, of music and, that, and, and, that and you're just the the involved in. the programming does does kind of change and also based on region I found yeah. like that uh, Iowa City where I'm from like they did play a ton of Tom Petty and then I've gone to other places and I'm like man they're playing a lot of Steely Dan they're playing a lot of Steely yeah. Dan here based probably just on like well we get a ton of requests for Steely Dan so we're gonna play Steely Dan right um, but I think that's you're you're making a fair point like uh, it's if it's not a part of your nostalgia already. Yeah then why seek it unless you have some strong motivation to like yeah it's because if your dad it was if your dad or your mom wasn't really into it then what are you getting out of this because some of it's some of it's good music yeah no some and, of it's genuinely very good music but... and find that you know f- find those uh because like probably hopefully that you find them organically or like you really like uh uh you know LCD sound system and you look at the influences and you see like oh he was really into Brian Eno and then yeah. you find Brian Eno you find Brian and Eno. He, oh Brian Eno produced some David Bowie albums I like David and you now, find you know, Bowie and and Brian Eno also produced some uh, some U2 and I'm really into U2 now who's also a, I guess a classic rock yeah, artist be, for sure I mean they have a, so U2 is weird for me because like U2 has you know like the the stuff that they were making like the 80s yeah yeah when they the, when they were good when they were you two <laughs> and then they have the stuff that they were making like in the 2000s yeah. which was a very weird era for you two to just like reemerge into prominence i have no idea why that was the era that they like did I they feel take like, a break for family or something no i, I don't like, know enough about that that would be something i should either there's into. a podcast with scott ackerman and, and uh, adam scott called mm-hmm. uh are you talking you two to me and they go through uh, the entire discography oh, of YouTube. Wow. If anybody is interested in YouTube, um, they and and sometimes it, it meanders, but like they're two funny guys. Um, no, like I I I, th- I don't think they they didn't really stop making music. They took a couple years off, like after so YouTube Pop came out, and I think in like '95, and then I don't think they had anything for maybe three years or so because I yeah. think they had a, they had a really 
I think they did a pretty big tour for U2 Pop. Because that's where U2, that's where Bono wore that muscle shirt. Yeah, wore the, wore the muscle shirt. Uh, mm-hmm. And they had like, and they had that massive screen. I think it had never been seen, something like it had never been seen before. They had, they, they had that like 100 foot wide. Yeah, it was like gigantic, yeah, yeah, right? It was like the, the whole stage. Yeah, they toured with, and they were one of the first bands like to, maybe not the first to do that, but certainly the first to make it something that everybody had to that's know another about. thing though that you that you find in in classic rock is spectacle oh I feel, absolutely. I feel like uh pyrotechnics were embraced a lot more i feel like light shows were and it it's interesting to well yeah the, 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 like the they're the they would have been the first arena rock like arena yeah. group like people at the so from the beatles on i'm sorry to keep talking about them, um you have artists who are capable of filling an arena, a yeah. football stadium, one like one group of artists, um, and that's nuts. Uh, and so, yeah, of course they're gonna like they're because the, you, if you're sitting, if you're at Soldier Field watching the Grateful Dead or whatever, uh, you're gonna need something else aside from just this little ant figure. Well, when the, you're the interesting thing to me is seven hundred feet away is that I feel like you have rock acts like that all the way through like the '90s, but I'm I'm trying to find like I'm trying to think. What in the 2000s to like now, right? From like 2001 to 2019, what would fill, what would the continuation of classic rock be? Because we already talked about how you have like Pearl Jam, Chili Peppers, Soundgarden, some of that stuff is is filling in. Like you hear a lot of that, I feel like, on classic rock stations in Chicago is, yeah. is, you, can, is you can pick up like a lot of audio sleep occasionally. Uh, every now and then they throw in Rage Against the Machine, which is super weird, but like, I, I still hear it. Yeah. Um, and I and I kind of buy it, you know, via that connection. But like, what what can still sell out an arena that came from that era? So I mean, like I, the, I, I the guess des- the Descendants. If we can, if we could define that, I think so. This will be our parting thing. If we can yes. define the Descendants of classic what classic rock, rock is. Because uh, I think it's so. I I really think we talked about him earlier, but I think people like Jack White, yeah, uh, and that rev- that uh, uh, the Black Keys, yeah, are going to be are going to be your one. classic rock revival groups, and and to a lesser extent things like the Strokes, but I think more in the vein more of like the these of, of, of like Black, Keys. The Black Keys and and the White Stripes to a certain extent, or or any or any Jack White offshoot, uh, uh, like the Rock on Tour, yeah, the Rock on Tour, uh, and on any of his solo, and I think stuff. certain certain artists who have aged out of I think of alternative, like I want to say, uh, like the most recent like Queens of the Stone Age yeah. albums feel very classic rock. But I feel like those don't get the. I mean, maybe that's something that happens. Maybe you just don't have the radio play of Queens of the Stone no, Age. No, not really. And then, like all of a sudden, when classic rock is groping around in the dark for something more recent, they pump that in. But they, and or the, maybe classic rock radio stations are destined to die, or or when, or, or not die, boomers, but not but not add any more, not add anything new to it. Right. Well, eventually, like you're gonna have baby boomers disappear from population numbers you're gonna have uh gen xers who are gonna be looking for their nostalgic music and that's gonna be like pearl jam and Soundgarden, and sonic youth sonic youth and the cure and the pixies and stuff like that at least that's what i guess that's what i think that's what i think of i think of gen x i think of i think of metallica up to uh beck every every gen xer i know likes that music so i smashing pumpkins who yeah right um not swan um (laughs) no god no and actually 
since we started talking about Jack White, I just it also reminded me of that documentary that came out a couple of years ago, um, or a number of years ago, like a decade ago at this point. Uh, it was called "It Might Get Loud." Okay, Remember, it was uh, it. it was another music documentary where some brilliant individual just decided to get uh, Jimmy Page, uh, The Edge, and Jack White in a room mm-hmm. and just like have them talk about the guitar and music together. And it was, oh. it's a really really interesting little documentary because they just talk about playing guitar and they like pass around guitars and like play a little bit and work on it. And they all have different approaches to the instrument. It's that's hilarious for sure. because Edge is is very much uh, the the odd man out because he's got like all of his pedals and his distortion stuff. Oh really? I would thought because he's the worst guitar player out of the three. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to judge, but like you get, you get vibes of like they're like Jimmy Page is like playing some like blues riff and like Jack White picks it up immediately and knows exactly like what he's doing. And then the edge like throws in like a pedal or something like that and th- like amps up the reverb and has to like layer different sounds yeah. with a repeater. And you're just like, Okay, you're very you're a very different type of guitarist. But, than and these I'm sure two. that's why they probably had them all. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it, it's an interesting because we had been talking about the different generations of classic and rock, these are and these are three really good representatives, arguably with yes. Led Zeppelin, U two, and then Jack White. Yeah, being who, kind of who I mean because that's that's that he is he is playing off the nostalgia of that era and and reintroduce and maybe that's why it won't go away. It'll just have to be redefined because he's because you have artists like him. Uh, and there will always be artists who are reintroducing that type of sound to yeah. a younger generation. Um, because I, I don't know. It's but it's, it's, it's definitely gonna. I think it's definitely gonna become more scarce. I I I, actually, I, I agree. I mean, I agree. I think that could be a, a contradiction to the idea that classic. <laughs> I mean, I I think it'll survive, but I think it'll diminish. And I think it'll be interesting to see how much it diminishes. Yeah. Because we don't know whether it'll diminish a little bit or whether it'll diminish a lot. But, I mean, right now it's still in car commercials occasionally. Yeah. They still use it in soundtracks. I mean, the, there's I a mean, fly buzzing around and it's really distracting. I don't and know. But we're, we're both watching. I don't it. know where the hell it got in here from. Because it wasn't here when we started. <laughs> I know. A fly sprung from nothing. Right. Uh, no, and, or, like, so it it's... It, and it may just disappear from the radio entirely, but then, but then the radio is also losing popularity due to right. online presence. You know, just the availability of streaming, and people don't well, play that's, the radio. As that's much. this whole other thing is like we were talking about the origins of classic rock being to sort of you know differentiate a little bit, right? You yeah. don't want the same programming on every yes. on everything. Simulcasting, no sim- good. <laughs> you don't want simulcasting, but you also want to make sure that you have a generic enough uh, lineup of music that you're not scaring people off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's about it's about money. It's, it's about trying to appeal to like the broadest number of people. But that's yes. the interesting thing about our modern world is we no longer take a survey and say, okay, nine out of ten people really like this music, so this is what we're going to play. Spotify and Pandora and they Apple cater to the individual have catered so specifically to the individual yeah. that it's one of those things where like, the institutions like classic rock no longer serve the purpose that they once did because now I can be like, nah, that's not for me. And I can be like, Oh, I really like chance the rapper, but I don't really listen to rap other than that. So I guess that's the one rap album I'll have on my, on my phone. And that's, that's actually one of the things that, uh, a great book, uh, meet me in the bathroom. Uh, it's, it's a chronicling of, Mm -hmm. uh, of New York's rock and roll scene during that same period when I was coming up. And I believe I quoted in that early... in, in uh, Kit's podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
there's a great moment in that where they talk about like right or the great thing about that generation was that it was no longer that you had to have like the right influences all of a sudden you could have you had these uh indie hipster kids that were rock and roll kids that weren't precious about like okay i have to i have to like this and then that leads me to this and this mm-hmm. like this leads me to this i have to think that the velvet underground is like the best band ever <laughs> yeah. and like that's the only collection or guided by voices has to be in like my record case like yeah. all of a sudden yeah. you were allowed to be like uh tv on the radio you, you're allowed to have this like this hip hop style influence on your music. You're allowed to take out sort of like funk and soul. And you have people that are like taking from, from different genres of music and grabbing. Yep, yep, yep. And all of a sudden you have this emergence of kids that have a record crate filled with 10 different genres yeah. of music and are influenced by all of them. And you have house and dance and uh, techno and rap and R&B all in the same collection where it's no longer just like a homogenous list of music yeah. and that with streaming and with downloads has become really a thing where I don't think you're ever going to see uh, a sort of homogenous classic rock again and that might be what ends up happening it's it could like, be we might not have one because everybody can just curate their own classic mm-hmm. rock and yeah. then you you spawn a generation of people that are all listening to what their parents listen to which is all different stuff yep because we listen to so many different like every time i see my friends it's oh have you been listening to these guys no nah, i haven't heard of those guys let me put these guys on for you you'll <laughs> like these guys yeah and it's like yep. of course i haven't heard from them because they have like five thousand listens on spotify yeah. who is this where would i have found this oh spotify's algorithm said i might like it and i yeah. did so so if if that's actually the lesson here the new the new way that uh money is influencing what we listen to is via spotify is yeah. via is via pandora like because they're get they get oh yeah they get incentive incentives to like oh uh maybe we you'll like this band i don't i mean i have no reason to tell you to like this, this band. band in the same way that radios were programming their uh their pro <laughs> were I, doing certain I, artists because their producers have, were telling them that i think you have something interesting though with the algorithm because and maybe i'm completely off base with this maybe i have too much faith in the chaos of an algorithm as opposed to like the ordered regimented plan but me and my friends all listen to very similar styles of music. We listen to similar bands, and yet all of us pop up with like random, weird, new songs. Not that like we don't ever overlap, but yeah. we all get like weird new suggestions that are influenced by multiple things that they listen to that I don't. Like one of my friends listens to a lot of indie, but also is a huge metalhead and listens to a ton of metal. And so, so he'll like get, the, he'll get like the recommendations that he shit, gets yeah. are are for like a little bit more like Led Zeppelin, a little bit more classic rock Some, style. Somewhere between. Uh, somewhere between the interests and it's stuff that never pops up for me, whereas I'm much more of like folk and indie rock. So I get more like of a, of a country-esque feel to the music recommendations. So you get we, Wilco 100% of the time. <laughs> absolutely. No, I mean, I've, I've gotten Wilco a lot where it's like, have you heard of Wilco? And I'm like, yes, Spotify. I'm aware. I'm from Chicago. I know. But, uh, I, I do think that the the chaos of the algorithm and its its weird way of thinking like so in the same way that it like procedural or weirdly generates advertisements and you're yeah. like 
yeah, I'm 30 and I'm in a long-term relationship, but no, you don't need to like start pitching me things for like setting up a family and like <laughs> why is all my advertising based on, you know, diamond wedding rings? Yeah, so you and, need a and, ring? And like now that I was that mortgage on you you must own a house right now. You must right own now. a house by now or are, like Are you a loser who the, doesn't own a house? The moment I turned 30 started to get like erectile dysfunction advertisements oh, no. and I'm like, "Thanks guys, really." Really great faith in Man, me. Man, they are bringing the inadequacy on right? hard They're just early. like trying to really shame me. <laughs> but it's it's one of those things where I wonder if music isn't the same way where like wrong stuff pops up for you and sometimes that wrong stuff is is good. Yeah, yeah. That, well, like it's not what it's not maybe what's going to sell, right? Like they think that because their algorithm is built, it's going to sell me exactly what they want me to sell me. Sure. And that might not work. Like Discover Spotify frequently comes up with 19 20 songs 19 of which are bad and stuff i wouldn't listen to and there's that one that's like that's, oh that's, that, that i'm like okay yeah. yeah yeah this might be my next band let me dig yeah. through the rest of their stuff and and listen to what they what they've got and i think that that's gonna gonna change how the homogenous and like safe and like uh sort of party by or uh popularity by committee that you see with classic rock is yeah. that that might be the end of it. it i mean I, I guess i'm hoping that it that it is and it's it becomes more uh not just individual but democratic yeah. and i know that a lot of the, a lot of producers of the, of the classic rock stations were pulling from audience like the the hey they like the eagles let's play more eagles let's play more eagles um and that's all well and good uh but then I think it starts to become a, a cycle of like uh, they recycle it like like oh well, I think that's also led to like there's there's always that the same friend who introduced me to classic rock also used to like to say when we were in college uh, there are a lot of people who think there's no good music being made anymore oh that, that's like, not true at all and and his thing was. If you don't think there's good music being made, you're really not looking hard enough because yeah. it's out there. You just need to look or, for it, and it's just a, under a couple layers of, of of. I just find that those are people who are tired yeah. of trying, and that and that's fine. Accept it. Don't say there's no good music out there anymore. Accept that you're not willing to go look. Yeah, for and that and, and that's fine. Yeah, totally it's, fine. It's effort. It really is. It, it, it's, it's it's sometimes unrewarding to be like listen to an album and be like. Wow, I just spent 45 minutes on this and I hate this band. I'm never listening to this album again. But now you know you don't want to listen to that. Now you know you don't want to listen to that band anymore. Yeah. And now, yeah. yeah. Um, well, John. It's been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure. Uh, I think I, I, we, I meant to end this a little while ago. We got on a. Yeah, we, we got had, on a we, massive we had, tangent. No, but we had to talk about it. Because I think, I think talking about Spotify, which is. Or, or, or streaming services, which yeah. are the new radio, right? Um, it's important. It's important in the discussion of what of yeah, classic. Yeah, I assume you'll you'll have cut out like a big section in the middle there oh, where we. Got, I don't. Where we I'm, got a little. I'm not gonna little, cut you. You're not, you're not gonna. Oh gosh. Oh no. no. Then I, we better wrap this up. I, I like. I like it to. Is the fly? You see the fly? No, no. I'm, I'm oh, trying looking. to look at the screen. Oh, to see I'll, how, we'll, much, we'll... how much longer I, I've been ranting <laughs> I than I'm supposed to. Um. So uh, uh, before we we part ways, um, mm-hmm. uh, any reiterations on plugs? Anything you wanna you wanna close with? Uh, no, I, I think I plugged my, please go back to the beginning and listen to the three podcasts that I told you to. They're, they're all uh, amazing people who put a lot of effort into what they do. Uh, like Ben here does too. <laughs> and, uh, 
<laughs> it's just an excuse to yak with friends, man. I know. Well, it's a good excuse to yak. No, with it is. Friends. Oh, I, I. That's why I came up. <laughs> right. Uh, but no. Uh, they, they, all of them, them bring a lot of interesting stuff to the table. Um, and you're gonna hear a lot of good entertainment. Just like I said, there's a lot of good entertainment being created out there. You just gotta, uh, you just gotta look for it. Yep. Find that tent. Um, man, I feel like we could have talked longer. I really right. do. Uh, maybe we'll do maybe we'll do a follow up later. I don't know, but uh, or a different subject. I we mean, could, I all, I'm, we, I'm no, late to several things. You can no no uh, repeat visits are always welcome. So uh, thanks, John. The that's it for us this week. Uh, this has been on the podcast. Uh, bye. <laughs> Record star, he heard of singers like Beatles, the chipmunk he's seen on TV. Why not a little Spanish beat?